Welcome to our podcast. Episode 20. Whee! You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. Man, Seven and Flea did a good job recording that intro. I know. We were in Florida at a nudist resort. The first and time. I texted Seven and I was like, hey, we're starting a podcast while we're down here. I need an intro. Yeah, like within, what, three hours or something <laughs> crazy? And when all you have is your little sisters to do voiceovers. Which work really well because they're always cute, so. Oh. So. All right, well, we are back. Episode 20. Uh, I can't believe we've done 20 episodes. It really is pretty momentous for us I think because if you knew the mental obstacles that we have to overcome to start this I don't know I think people think like I hear people say all the time like oh you guys are a, you guys have a huge following and a big channel and it just it just doesn't feel that way like every time we start something it's like oh Who's going to listen to us? Who's going to pay attention to us? Especially for a podcast. A podcast is intimidating because you can't hide behind fancy editing skills mm-hmm. or music. It's like, it's, like it's just you. You. <laughs> and if you don't have anything interesting to say, then you're going to be then found out for the gonna fraud be boring. that you are. Um, so I'm very proud that we, first of all, um, got all of the equipment to start or didn't use the equipment we didn't have as an excuse not to start. Not start. We just started it. And we, <clears throat> we for the last 20 weeks, have released a podcast every single Monday at 6 a.m. without exception. Mm-hmm. Which is huge because, like, I, don't, I can't speak to the quality of them. <laughs> but they were done. We shipped the product. But we've done this before with the vlog. If you ever want a funny little experience, especially if you've been following us for a bit, uh, go back and watch our first vlog. No, please do not. <laughs> Save it's, yourself. Well, I actually, it, yeah, it hurts me to watch it, but it, it's also kind of beautiful too because it just, it, you can see how far we've come. And you can see that we had humble beginnings, and we still kind of have humble I feel like beginnings. Like it's beauty only a mother can love. But that's how things start, um, which I think can be really inspirational for someone who that I that I definitely agree. With. Not just wants, not necessarily wants to start a podcast or a vlog, but really anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked about this on the vlog a couple vlogs ago. Uh, that I started, I'm 38, and I started playing guitar, taking guitar lessons at 33, which in our culture is, you're already too old. You know, you should have, that ship has sailed. You should have done that when you were 10. Um, But I just decided I wasn't going to believe in that narrative and that I loved music and I wanted to know how to play an instrument. And I've come a long way. 
And so my thing on that vlog was it's never too late to start something you're passionate about. Just do it. It's going to be hard, <laughs> but just do it. <laughs> and if possible, like what we've found is beneficial is to do it this week. Um, you know yeah. what that is? I am nice try. You're trying to don't trick me into going down put this it rabbit off. trail. I would love to talk about this for the next Someday hour. Someday it will never come. That's what I will not go down this route right now because oh. you'll get me all excited. Whatever. We got stuff to talk about. Um, this is still important, though. No, it's very important. I'm not saying it's not important. It's just I gotta light know, my cigar. We gotta choose. Um, <clears throat> but I do remember when we started the podcast or the vlog. Every episode was a victory. And when I saw 10 up there, it seemed like this huge number because I had this YouTube channel that had zero and then it had one and then it had two and then it had 10 and then it had 20 videos up there and I couldn't believe it. I remember when we did 100, it just seemed like a whole sea of videos. And now we're on podcast episode 20 and I, I don't think it has helped me very much to focus on like goals. Like we don't have an end date. We're not trying to get to 100 or 1,000. We just, every week we just record one. <clears throat> yeah i think we're just trying to be in tune with if we don't if we want to stop we'll stop <laughs> or i guess if no one's listening we probably should stop i don't know well or if we have something better to do yeah and that's i mean which <laughs> holy shit we did with game of thrones for eight weeks we watched all eight seasons and that, seven seasons the eighth season's coming out that felt like that was something better to do but now that that's gone um which i'm glad we can finally get back to podcasting but i think we're doing this it. instead of getting into another netflix show yeah and don't get me wrong i'm all for good netflix shows which they don't make anymore like tv shows they stopped making good ones a I think, few like five years ago but there's a few um i'm just trying to be negative i can tell um which comes naturally for me when it comes to TV shows. <laughs> but I, I'm all for good TV shows. But doing something productive, we kind of tell our kids, like, be the author, not just the reader, like, or the bystander. Like, live the story, don't just read it. And for us, doing this podcast, I think, is a way of being, I don't want to say just productive, because I don't think it's just about productive but it's creative and it's it's producing and giving and i think it it's better for me than just watching shows well and it's an outlet that we feel passionate about right now okay so i want to respond we're in a unique place in this podcast history where the one that we recorded last week was released and then we're recording this one and it's like re being released this week. So we're like actually like kind of on schedule instead of being all backlogged, which mm -hmm. meant that people that respond to the last one in comments, mm -hmm. we can actually respond to those comments now and it's not gonna be like weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So we got this one comment because what we talked about, if you remember, was um, sexual fantasies. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. <laughs> We got this comment from Re Rebecca. Would you like to read this? Yeah. <clears throat> so what is your opinion on righteous jealousy? Like in the sense that God is a jealous God. He is jealous for us to serve him alone and no other gods. 
Now, as a template of relationship, would you say there is no place for a righteous jealousy in marriage? I believe that there can be unhealthy jealousy in marriage that can stem from many things, usually past experiences. I am extremely interested in hearing where your thoughts are on this and open a conversation. I am not launching an attack, but rather engaging a hopeful, challenging conversation. So as I said, this is from Rebecca, and she says she's not launching an attack. And what you don't know about Rebecca is that when we were on the Appalachian Trail, she contacted our family and invited us to stay in a hotel that, that she was going to pay for. Paid for, yeah. And uh, some sort of Chinese buffet situation. So, Rebecca, if you want to launch an attack on us, you help yourself. Because when you buy a buffet for me, <laughs> I don't care. You've earned your right you to launch, launch an attack. Whatever attacks you want. <laughs> Although, I agree with you. I don't, I don't feel like this is an attack. I just want you to know. You know, oh, I have fond you have, memories. You have a special place in our heart. That time. Yes, me too. Thanks again for that, by the way. So I think this is a great question. Um. So this righteous jealousy concept. To answer this question, I think we have to step back a little bit into kind of our shifting viewpoints of the Bible over the last couple of years. And all I know, like. In the past, we used to take these, like, biblical concepts like this one, and it seemed to have, like, almost a direct one-to-one correlation with the behavior that was not only justified but expected in a modern-day context. So I think where you're going with this is, like, okay, God was jealous. Therefore, monogamy and a certain degree of, like, entitlement with my spouse to have all of their heart— and if their eyes or heart wander towards porn or masturbation or another partner, another or person, body. or another eyes body, then I'm somewhat entitled to feel frustrated or possibly anger or jealous or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the way the old way of thought used to go for us for two or three years ago. Now, I just want to share what's changed since then is I still believe, I mean, these passages i believe they're in the old testament where god speaks of this this jealous type of love that he has for his people israel specifically i think that that's a true story and i think there's value there now what i've what i'm a lot more careful of is jumping the gun and how we apply that to our life and even that being a full translated understanding of who God is. I mean, these are all like metaphors, I think. Not, I mean, not always, but a lot of the the descriptions we have of God, whether it's being a male, whether it's being jealous, whether it's being, you know, talking to people, you know, I, I don't know um, which are 100% metaphorical, which are um, literal. Well, and it's contextual, so... This was a really long time ago for a certain group of people. And in my understanding, human consciousness evolved. And I kind of believe that God was maybe trying to reach these people how they could be reached. Which isn't... Using language that helped that was helpful could for them at that time. That they could understand and was helpful for them. So two errors I think we can make in our day and age. One is to say, oh, like that's the template for modern relationships. We need to follow that. Mm -hmm. 
to a T. The other is to say, oh, that's obsolete and old, doesn't matter, not important, like mm-hmm. bail on it. It's it's either all or nothing, black yeah. or white. And yeah. I think we're somewhere in between, where I think, oh, that's an interesting to look into this character of who the God in the Bible claims to be. And I don't know, like who he was saying he was to those people. And, and then I start asking the question, what does that mean for us today? And how do we interact with that? And mm-hmm. what does that mean about our relationships? I mean, I don't know. I, that's like more, much more of a complicated conversation to me. Yeah. But I guess I'll say just a few things specifically about jealousy. Like I know God of the Old Testament um, or the Hebrew scriptures, he saw himself as like kind of, it was monotheism, right? So, yeah. you know, he was competing with, there was like Polytheism, Canaanite gods yeah. or you know, Egyptian gods where there's like, or Roman gods where there's like multiple gods and they're all kind of like used to being shared. And he was saying, no, this isn't that type of thing. Um, so there, there really is only one God um, mm-hmm. from that Hebrew scripture perspective. And, but I don't think because of that, that means he was like insecure, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. I, I think he could handle it. Yeah. I, like it wasn't necessarily an emotional thing for him so much where he felt inadequate because, mm-hmm. you know, his people went and like worshipped a He wasn't cow. checking like the Israelites' text messages behind their backs trying to figure out like, if I'm they a jealous were, guy. <laughs> <laughs> trying to feel like, figure out if they were uh And I, I say that to people. say like I think a lot of the jealousy humans might feel, it's not from this – It's there's not a one-to-one equivalent. Now, there might be some overlap, so I don't want to completely overrule it. But, um, you know, for what we were talking about last week with sexual fantasies, the context was, do we own each other 100%? And Cammie and I believe, no, we don't. And therefore, that comes with allowing the other person to be human and to experience feelings and thoughts and whatever that come along with being human and just because she has a thought or feeling of another man or woman or whoever uh doesn't need to make me less of her husband or less of a man or less of a lover or less special Mm -hmm. that's a truth that we've experienced yep anything you want to say so i think you know you say um, in your question, you said that I believe that there can be unhealthy jealousy in marriage that can stem from many things, usually past experiences. I think a lot of times jealousy just stems from insecurity. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of which our- it's and actually a front to insecurity is almost this type like like throwing Bible verses and at least where we come from throwing Bible verses in people's faces and saying like you need to be faithful to me. But it's really because the Bible says because the Bible says God says. But really, I'm scared, right? And I'm depending on your perceived actions to me to feel like an adequate husband or wife, right, or partner, and 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 just our experiences. If you don't feel adequate, you can blame the other person all you want, but humans cannot make other humans really feel adequate long term mm-hmm. in a sustainable way by being quote unquote faithful. I mean, they can try, not. but I think that's like unhealthy yeah thank you for that question that was a fun one yeah 
So short answer is it's complicated. <laughs> okay. Um, now it is time for what are we titling this? I'm supposed to find out if we are sexually it's, compatible. You wanna you yeah. wanna explain this book? Um. Okay. So this book is called Come As You Are. Mm. It's, you gotta show the camera. Yeah, way. I already did, but okay, I'll do it again. It's by what's her name? Emily Nagoski. Did I buy that book for you? I think so. Which happens a lot in our marriage. Ben will buy the book for himself to read and then I'll read it. <clears throat> or he'll buy a book for me. And then I'll never read it. And I read it. Um Which I gotta say Tonight we're on our date night. And Cammy had this book just like sitting on the table. And there's just like all these dudes walking around. And there's like a giant just vagina on the front. Purse. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, listen. <laughs> but as even a, if there as was... a guy, when I see that, that's a vagina. Um, as you are. <laughs> and I was like, that kind of turns me on. That's pretty badass. Like long-haired cammy would not have been okay with that and what was so cool was just like how big of an issue it wasn't to you i could see how much growth you had been through to just like not even care not only do i not care i make it a point to put it out because i don't think it's something did that you well yeah I don't, I don't i didn't think you did it on purpose i well i'm conscious of it i put it down and then and you're like I'm putting the purse. I'm like, if a guy grill. sees this, so what? It's genitals. Well, it's not really, but it's representation of genitals. Nothing to be ashamed of. Because it's just, it's actually what I believe. Hey, and, I know. And I, <laughs> but listen to me. Like, you believe that for a long time on paper. But having yeah. the balls to do it. Ovaries. You, like, just go for it now. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. and I read this somewhere in an article, that one of the most attractive things, I think, from men to women, that's the generalization, but I'll just say from me to you, is when you are fearless. And one of the biggest turnoffs ever is, like, fear, I think, when you're, like, insecure and afraid. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was badass. Thank you. So, anyways. So, this book, I really like it. Um, it talks about sex more from a for a woman's perspective um with science and so it really debunks a lot of myths about sex and sexuality with women specifically um one of the things i'll say is in our culture a a lot of uh sex like beliefs are actually more uh driven by men like men the way men experience sex um and so if a woman doesn't experience sex in that way she's just considered like a lighter version of sex instead of a whole nother version of like sex so or sexuality so i i just this book has been really really good for me to i think um I, I wish I had this book years ago, um, at least a couple years ago. But I don't think you 
could have handled it years ago. I could have probably handled it two years ago, maybe not past that. But I've been buying you sex books for years, <laughs> like leaving casual hints, being like, hello. and then. But she like, really comes from a science perspective, which I actually have come to really appreciate science these past couple years. Um, which I think is so boring. Well. <sighs> but I'm glad you like it. I just don't. I think it, it can be really helpful in certain contexts because it kind of like. Ta- for you. Okay, for me. But I think I have struggled with feeling broken in in my sexuality. And she really speaks to that and helps show that there are... One, one of her main lines is, everyone has the same parts, men and women. They're just organized in a different way. So that's like literal parts and then just the whole chemistry thing too so i think that's a wise thing to say and i want to kind of live by that even past sexuality (laughs) i don't understand the significance of that but i will trust that that's valuable to you yeah it's it's been cool so so tonight i am gonna have ben take what's called a sexual temperament questionnaire that I've already taken. So what does this tell us? It tells you, so this is kind of a bit confusing, but it basically tells you how sensitive your breaks are when it comes to sex and how sensitive your accelerator is when it comes <laughs> to sex. Or break. another word for breaks could be inhibitor. So it's, uh, yeah, anyway, so that's just the... The gist of it. So are we getting into this right now? Well, I still... I mean, like, is there any more intro? Because, like, that sounds, like, fucking complicated. Yeah. I mean, I I get brakes and accelerator, but why is that important? Like, so you already took the test. Are our numbers supposed to match up, or is it just, like, separate? No, it's supposed to help you understand yourself and why you are the way you are with certain contexts. And then if you're in a relationship, I think it can help you understand your partner um, for sure. Okay. So it's like, so you, you, it, can, it can teach you or help you understand how to turn on the ons and turn off the offs is like another way to put it too. Oh, yeah, because another paragraph we were reading today, it said with you, I need to turn on the ons and turn <laughs> off the offs. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You could do that, okay. or I could do it too for myself. Well, but I don't mind helping. Whatever. Yes. Let's let's read that chapter next. Um, okay, so I'm taking a test. Yeah. So let me just uh, describe these a little bit more before we take this. But so the sexual inhibition system. So this is your sexual breaks. So inhibition doesn't mean shyness, but it's actually a neurological off signal. Okay, so it's the th- it's the signals in your environment, uh, everything you see, hear, smell, touch, taste, imagine, that turn you off. Um, so do you have any predictions about how I'm going to score on this? Mm. <laughs> uh, I think you're going to have low breaks and a higher accelerator 
That's right. That's well, what I think. So, and I don't even know if this is supposed to be for men, but I don't really see why not. Why it couldn't be? Oh, really? Well, I I don't think it's that specific. I'm just telling you, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Because um, I like, think I think men have the same things. It's just with the different. breaks thing. Part of me feels like I have no breaks at all. Like once I start wanting to have sex, I just want to go until we're done well it's not that's not exactly how it works it could be breaks that start before you want to have sex still that makes sense well (laughs) like there's just no breaks but yeah but there's something in my brain from our history that tells me like i used to get my feelings hurt so easily when you would um like when i'd feel rejected by you Mm -hmm. and then i would like turn off like uh yeah like very quickly but that hasn't happened in a long time, so I don't know if that if that's a sexual thing or if that was more an emotional, a relational thing. Yeah. Because I just don't feel that anymore. I feel like I've matured past that. Hmm. So okay, so the sexual inhibition system has <clears throat> a bit of nuance to it, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, Let's take the test. Well, I got to explain the sexual excitation system, oh. or the yeah. accelerator. That sounds fun. Um, so this receives information about sexually relevant stimuli in the environment. Again, things you see, hear, smell, touch, taste, imagine. And it sends signals from the brain to the genitals to tell them, turn on. So, okay. You aren't aware that it's there until you find yourself turned on pursuing sexual pleasure. And that's kind of interesting. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Are, are you writing in the book your oh. answer or how are we doing that? Yeah, I can do that. I guess we need to do that if we want to know your score. Okay. And if you're at home, you can play along. Yeah. So get a piece Actually, of paper. Actually, yeah, that would be kind of fun. If you want, get a piece of paper. So first is the sexual inhibitors. Okay. So the first question is, unless things are, quote, just right, it is difficult for me to become sexually aroused. Are you zero, not at all like me, one, not much like me, two, somewhat like me, three, a lot like me, four, exactly like me? Do things need to be just right for me to have sex? Unless things are just right, it is difficult. It's like, for me, it's like any time, any place. So would that be not at all like me or not much? Okay. Not at all. Okay. Right? Don't ask me. This is for you. Wait. Well, you know. I know. I have my opinion, but I want this to What's be your, your opinion. Uh, yeah, I would say that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're ruining the test by you, like. <laughs> okay. But I want you to answer first. Okay. No okay. problem. I'm not afraid. I wonder if I should say what my answer is for each of those, or would that be too confusing? I think you gotta wait. Yeah. Okay. Second question is when I am sexually aroused, the slightest thing can turn me off. Zero, not at all like me, not much like me, somewhat like me. Zero. Two. Uh, zero or one. Why? Well, I, I gotta. They're all the same. Yeah. Right? Okay. So people can figure that out. Zero or one. Okay. Um,. I mean, when I, was the last time I've been actually like? Well, I think, 
I think if I have a bad attitude, according to you. So I, I feel like it's more like a one than a zero. But right. Is that fair? Sure. Okay. Okay. Next is I have to trust the partner to become fully aroused. Zero, not at all like me, not much like me, somewhat like me, a lot like me, exactly like me. Man, that's tough because... That's, and it's fully aroused, too, so it's... Wait, read the question again. I have to trust a partner to become fully aroused. Is that talking about, like, so, porn or, okay. like, other people? I don't feel like we have a... It's, I think it's supposed to be talking about other people because it's saying a partner, which I don't think porn could be really a partner. I would say not really at all, like zero or one. Trust, to me, doesn't have to do with arousal. I mean, trust is arousing and exciting in a whole nother way to me. But you're not dependent not on physically, it. physically, no. Okay, so zero or one? Uh, man, this is tough between zero and one. Yeah. Uh, we did one last time. Let's do zero this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's make it fair. Okay, next. If I am worried about taking too long to become aroused or to orgasm, this can interfere with my arousal. Not at all like me, not much like me, somewhat like me, a lot like me. Zero. Not at all like me. It doesn't, if I'm not having an orgasm, um, it makes me sometimes uncomfortable that you might be uncomfortable, but it doesn't inhibit my arousal. Oh, okay. I just feel bad for you sometimes. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, a little. Okay. Not too bad. A little. <laughs> okay. Last one on this. Sometimes I feel so shy or self-conscious during sex that I cannot become fully aroused. Zero. <laughs> I, oh, wow. Okay, so your score <laughs> is a whopping one. And we'll get into what that means, but... Let's go to. Can the, we just? Do you want to hear see your score for that or what that means? Might as first? well. Okay. Before, I don't want to lose our okay. audience. Huh. Okay. So Ben, <laughs> this is really funny, has a low SIS, low <laughs> inhibitor. This means you are not so sensitive to all the reasons not to be sexually aroused. You tend to not worry about your own sexual functioning and body image issues. Don't interfere too much with your sexuality. When you are sexually engaged, your attention you know what the, you know is not what, very distractible. You know what made me a little bit conscious the other day? What? Was when my mustache hairs went up your nose. And I was like, Ugh! Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh. Because he cut his mustache just so that I would kiss him more, and then it backfired. Like the short bristles. But like, it didn't went up my make nose. me less aroused. It just yeah. it was just like a little like Okay. So system. when you are sexually engaged, your attention is not very distractible and you aren't inclined to describe yourself as sexually shy. Most circumstances can be sexual for you. You may find that your main challenge around sexual functioning is holding yourself back, reining yep. yourself in. Yep. Staying aware of potential consequences can help with this. Around fifteen percent of the women I've asked are in this range. Are you, are you that fifteen percent? No. Spoiler. So okay. let's let's talk about your results okay. for that one. So my results for that one, I was in medium SIS, but I was at the end. Like I had medium SIS is 7 through 13. I was at a 13. So, oh, so we're like 13 points away from each other. You are right in the middle. Along What's with the most? More than 20? half the women I've asked. 
This means that whether your sexual breaks engage is largely dependent on context. Risky or novel situations, such as a new partner, might increase your concerns about your own sexual functioning, shyness, or distractibility from sex. Contexts that easily arouse you are likely to be low risk and more familiar. And anytime your stress levels, including anxiety, overwhelm, and exhaustion, escalate, your breaks will reduce your interest in and response to sexual signals. So this is where this is where Ben and I clash. When he's stressed out, he wants sex. When I'm stressed out, I everything goes down for me. It's cruel, I know. So what else? I mean, like, because what I heard you talking about, this has to do with like the environment. So, like, if I'm smart and I know this about you, yeah, then I'm going to invest a little bit more into making the environment feel safer for you, which could mean, like, locking the door, making sure the baby isn't pounding on it. And it's not just safer. It's, like, just less I mean distractions. Safer. Yeah. Yeah. By safer, I mean safer for my sexual arousal. <laughs> Which I think you've learned to do. And I think that's something I've learned to do So for myself. So for us, so what are those things? Because there's got to be other people out there that have low SIS. And and what, when you think uh, about your mm-hmm. SI, what is it, sexual inhibitor or something or there? It's sexual, I don't even remember. Sexual inhibitor, sexual inhibition system. Um so, the first thing that comes to my mind is decreasing distractions. So whatever that is, get a babysitter, uh, clean your house, if you clean your room, if that's where you're having sex, uh, maybe longer foreplay, whatever that means for you. So for me, like I love massages. Um, I think, it, I think for an S, if you have a lower SIS. I think it's gonna take more effort for arousability. So because anything can put the brakes on, is that what we're saying? Just assume the brakes are even already on for someone like that. So it's actually Jeez. taking the brakes off. But yes, that too. It's taking the brakes off, and it's reducing the chances of the brakes going on. But can I say this? I feel like. You have come light years from when, I mean, it used to be like first five years of marriage, we're having sex and I can, first of all, I just look at you and I can tell you're like thinking about dirty dishes. Yeah. And then like the environment need to be like just so otherwise, I mean, it felt like an excuse to me at the time, but now I know it's Mm -hmm. more complicated than that. But it felt like it was like never the right time. And I guess we had a bunch of tiny kids running around. But now I feel like we can have sex in the middle of the day or in a messy room or... Well, you know what? I think the number one single thing that has helped me the most with my sexuality... Hang on. We should monetize this because if we can sell this, (laughs) people will actually pay for this. Well, she actually talks about this in this book Hang on. Are you going to give it away right now? Because I'm I'm telling you, we can make money. I was going to. You need to give us $20 on PayPal right now if Cam is going to say that. That that feels criminal. But no, I think what... Let's give it for free. A huge, huge factor. Because she she talks about how like monogamy and hormones are all blamed for this and that. Now you're keeping me in suspense. You got to say it. Okay. 
But the number one factor that af- makes people yeah, 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 yeah. have sexual dysfunction is a sex negative outlook on life. Holy fuck. That was us. Well, that's that our fucking you. culture. That's our fucking culture. You want to get me started? Uh, it sounds like we should <laughs> have you back off a tiny bit because I see that look in your eyes when you start using okay. four-letter words like that. That's our culture, <clears throat> secular culture. So now you put in a dose of religious, religiosity culture of sex negativity into that, and you've got, you've got the makings of some major, major So what would issues. you say to the religious folks that say... Because this is this is what is us, right? We didn't even know we were sex negative. Hello. Um, <clears throat> what? Say goodnight? Yeah. Yeah. Pause. <clears throat> we're saying goodnight to Flea. You got some familiar. We're, ta- we're filming thing. this thing, so they're listening. You wanna say hi? You gotta say hi in Say there. hi in the microphone if you want to. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> this is Flea, right. our guest star, mm-hmm. who just turned eight. And is the youngest female to have ever completed the Appalachian Trail in history that and we know she, of. And she's the voice you hear at the oh, beginning yeah. and the end of Good these podcasts. Hug. She's a star. Mm, okay, I love you. So I think it might be good for for you to spell out because all this time that now we view that you had a negative sexual, whatever you call it. Context, everything. We were spouting bible verses and talking about how awesome sex is and how biblical it is but it didn't connect and how much god made it it wasn't connecting because you know that uh what were the symptoms uh i never wanted to have sex um i cried during sex i mean this is actually painful for me to admit but it's it's reality um i was ashamed of my body see that's what i want to talk about like because crying, I think those are symptoms. Well, I right? think I was ashamed of my sexuality and my body. You were ashamed of um, orgasm or pleasure, feeling good? Yeah, I would like have it but never pursue it. And I always, probably didn't, not that I was consciously guilty of it, but I never, I never like could fully enjoy it. Like, just <clears throat> like I would enjoy a good piece of cake. It was always kind of like, well, I guess this is something that you have. Oh, that was felt good, but ooh, hide that under the covers. And you wouldn't talk about it. Like, if I brought up your orgasm, yeah, you would f- get embarrassed and want to, like, change this subject and move on. There was a lot of shame. It was as if I believed I should not be sexual. I shouldn't have... I, I was denying my own sexual beingness. <laughs> And I think in that phase, maybe we were even, like, shaming my sexuality. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we were just down on... It It seemed like something that had to be done, but... Yeah, it's like... It's like... Uh, I think we just came from a belief that sex was not great, but necessary, and necessary evil, even though there was lip service to it being, like, good... But in reality, it wasn't uh, the behaviors around that didn't show that we believe that. So that was a downer. Oh, yeah. For a good decade. So what's cool is now 
I feel like we can be in a messier because you used to say this line early on in our marriage. You'd be like, oh, if we had a hotel room, then I could have good sex with you. So then I'd pay all this yeah. money for a hotel room and we'd still have somewhat shitty sex. So I think it, what the noise, like whatever's going on in your head, like the beliefs you have, I think are this are effects. I mean, I'm just going to throw a number out of my ass, but I think they're like 70 percent. What? affects your sexual well-being and Is functionality yes and your belief set so i mean I, I don't know not that i want this to now turn into a how-to for you in the audience but i guess my hope is that if you have a negative viewpoint of sex that you would uh maybe identify that and be able to at least admit or say that because i don't, I don't even think it's a i don't think it's a moral thing i don't think it's a bad thing no. but but it it is a thing and what is so frustrating is I think, especially when religious people, they don't identify it as sexual negativity. They they identify it as some brand of holiness or something. And of course, then no one talks about sex. So in, mm. in, a, in a productive way, I and mean, people joke about it, like on TV and stuff, and it's like eroticized and fantasized, but the mm. reality of it's not addressed. So then you can never progress and you think you're weird and a monster and alone mm-hmm. and and you just can't move forward because you always think that it's something outside that needs to be fixed. Yeah. So the amount of sexual progression that you have gone through in the last 10 years, I mean, just in our sex life alone, not to mention the all the other things, which compared to the rest of our life, we don't have a lot of sex. I mean- I spent a lot more time not having sex is what I'm... That's how Ben feels. No, we have a ton of sex. <laughs> I'm just saying... I'm giving you a hard Even time. if we add up all the time in the week, there's <laughs> there's more time that we mm-hmm. just spend living life. And, and even in those yeah. things, you're fundamentally more accepting of yourself and people around you and your daughters mm. and our kids and, and yeah. me. And that has presented a, a night and day difference. Right. Okay, I think we need to get back to this test or people are going to be like, uh, I was taking a test here. <laughs> all right quiz me okay so the next part i passed the last one i'm gonna pass this one too yeah is the exciters isn't it just gonna be the opposite or not is that uh it's not uh, i mean not no it's not like exactly the opposite um i can't just give them all five so this is the sexual excitation system okay okay all right first one circle a number of the answer that best describes you Often, just how someone smells can be a turn-on. Zero, not at all like me, not much like me, somewhat like me, a lot like me, exactly like me. Like how someone smells like their perfume or like your underwear? I think it's like what. <laughs> I think it's like whatever smell. Doesn't, uh, if there is a smell that you like and it turns you on. I think it's just that. It's doesn't four. Or is that how high does it go? Four? Four. Four. <laughs> four. Okay. But not like oranges. It's not saying every smell is a turn on. Okay. It's saying a smell. All right, four. Yeah. Okay. Seeing my partner doing something that shows their talent or intelligence or watching them interacting well with others can make me very sexually aroused. Four. Not at all like me. Okay. <laughs> You said this wasn't the opposite. Hey, you know what? We're going to take this test. 
the right way. I just tell it to okay. you all the time. You like do something awesome, and I'm like, dang, that turns me on. It's true. Having sex. I mean, you're kind of turning me on right now. Okay. Having sex in a different setting than usual is a real turn on for me. Four. <laughs> this is so confirming for me. <laughs> You know that early on, I wanted to have sex outside. Oh, and gosh. then since early then, on, since the whole then, time, we've okay. experimented. Okay, a lot. Yes, when I think about someone I find sexually attractive, or when I fantasize about sex, I easily become sexually aroused. Not at all like me. Not much like me. Somewhat like me. A lot like me. Exactly like me. I never fantasize about anyone but you. Okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> Just kidding. So um, okay, wait. What's the question again? <laughs> When I think about someone, anyone, okay, okay, I find sexually attractive, or when I fantasize about sex, I easily become sexually aroused. I mean, I guess four. Why not? Okay. That fits the most. Is, I can't well, really off the charts. <laughs> okay. Certain hormonal... Okay, this might be a little bit women-specific, but whatever. We're still going to do this. Certain... Because I think guys have hormones, too, but Whatever. Certain hormonal changes definitely increase my sexual arousal. Four. Let's just, you just want to go with four so you don't ruin your score. <laughs> no, it's just the most accurate. All right. That's... And nothing decreases my arousal. <laughs> okay. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Wait, 30, there's 40. another question. Isn't oh, crap. You're right. Okay. I get very turned on when someone wants me sexually. Four. <laughs> Did I get a perfect score? Yeah, A plus. Okay, hold on. Um, little math here. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. This is the highest. You don't need oh, you're right. Up. Okay. I didn't miss so, one. So high SES, you're twenty four, which is the highest you can be. Okay. Yes, high five. You are pretty sensitive to sexually relevant stimuli. Yay. Maybe even to things most of us aren't generally very sensitive to, like smell and taste. A fairly wide range of contexts can be sexual for you, and novelty nope. may be really exciting. You may like having sex as a way to de stress. Yes. Higher SES is correlated with greater risk for sexual compulsivity, so you may want to pay attention to the ways you manage stress. Make sure you create lots of time and space for your partner. Because you are sensitive, you can derive intense satisfaction from your partner's pleasure, so you'll both benefit. About 16% of the women I asked fall into this group. Okay. So I da, 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 got a 9. So that's again, it's medium. A medium is eight to fifteen, and I'm at it nine. So, so you're barely. <laughs> I'm barely in the middle. So I have a medium SES. You are right in the middle. So whether you are sensitive to sexual stimuli probably depends on the context. In situations of high romance or eroticism, you tune in readily to sexual stimuli. So this is where, if you fall into this, you need to pay attention where those situations come, and if you want more sex, then produce those, those situations. situations yes in situations of so low what are those situations for you high romance well i'm not well, let me finish reading this in situations of low romance or eroticism it may be pretty challenging to move your attention to sexual things recognize the role <laughs> that context plays just because you don't want to hear this doesn't mean other people don't. i just think you're avoiding the question recognize the role that context plays in your arousal and pleasure and take steps to increase the sexiness of your life's context that's right 70 percent of the women i've asked fall into this range okay so your question what is my high romance eroticism um do i dare say 
Um, I like some porn. Because <laughs> I think for me, I don't see porn as evil in of, of itself. Or even damaging in of it, of itself. I don't know why. I feel like I have to have all these disclaimers because... If I had a bomb dropping um, thing, there would be that here. So for me, with a lower to medium accelerator, it takes some... It's like um, a jump start. It takes like when you have to jump start your car. It's like... Vroom, vroom, vroom. Okay, let's plug things in here. I don't know. That analogy only goes so far, but... Um, uh, fantasies help me. I already talked about that, so I'm not talking about that again. This one, man, nice I try. Like, <laughs> I kind of want to hear it again. Okay, um, I think like my responsibilities as a mom or cleaning the house or whatever I put on myself as responsibility are either non-existent or they're like lower so definitely i think like at, well if, if we like go away somewhere without the kids away from like my home then it's immediately decrease it, it makes it not more erotic but it it like decreases the noise so therefore eroticism can come to me more easily I think massages, like, I... Did that really, like, turn you on? It's romantic. That's what that was. It was, like, oh. romantic or eroticism. Other than, like, baths and showers do that to you, too, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, non... Not non-sexual touching, but, like, not explicit sexual touching is nice for me. Um, I don't know. That's that's all I got for you folks. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That was fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anything else yeah. we should know about this? Um, what was that one paragraph that I said we should read at Starbucks? Oh, yeah, let me get that out. He just ashed all over the table. Sorry. Okay, oh, yeah. Okay, so I really related to this. This is called It Might Be the Chasing Dynamic. Okay, I do want to, like, have this disclaimer in that I feel like I have a lot of context built up in reading I'm like more than halfway through this book so I feel a little bit like people might be a bit lost when they're hearing all these things but if this is piquing your interests at all I recommend this book okay <clears throat> okay so in my relationship with Ben I have felt like he is always the one initiating sex chasing me and i have felt like there must be something wrong with me if i don't want to initiate and i felt frustrated because because i scored a fucking 24 i know and i felt frustrated thinking that i need to be the initiator and i need this or that which actually that used to really frustrate me too yeah anyways okay so i'll read this low desire is by definition a relationship issue which I felt like was really interesting because I've always felt like I just have low desire. And she's not even saying that that's a sexual functioning issue. This is a relationship issue. The partner with low desire is the one who wants sex too infrequently for the other partner's satisfaction. It's not that one person's desire for sex is somehow inherently, quote, too low or the other is, quote, too high. They are just, get ready for it, different. 
at least in the current context. This differential, <laughs> this differential in desire is the single most common sexual dysfunction, but it's not the differential itself that causes the issue. Get ready for it. It's how the couple manages it. Problematic dynamics emerge when the partners have different levels of desire and they believe that one person's level of desire is better than the other person's. For example, let's say person A, uh, Ben, let's say Ben <laughs> has a spontaneous desire style and person B, Cammie, has a responsive style. Now she talks about those in the book and I'm not going to get into that, but in this scenario, uh, Ben may feel rejected and undesirable because he almost always does the initiating and Cammie may start to feel pushed and will resist more. Ben asks and asks and asks and feels rejected and hurt and resentful because Cammie keeps saying no, no, no. And Cammie feels defensive but also guilty and hurt because just being asked makes Cammie feel like there must be something wrong. Meanwhile, Ben may even start to wonder, am I broken? Do I want sex too much? Okay. Comment on that. The problem isn't the desire itself, it's the context. You need more sexually relevant stimuli activating the accelerator and fewer things hitting the brake. So okay. this right there, that to me, that's the money shot. Like, yeah. we spent a lot of our marriage blaming me where I felt like, oh, I want sex too much because mm-hmm. you didn't want it as much. Right. Blaming you, damn, that's for sure. Yeah. I felt so hurt in our early years because I felt like I wasn't measuring up or somehow I had been tricked in marriage because you were all over me before we got married. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you don't really seem to care about sex. And it was so painful for me that I think we had to come up with a reason. And the reason we came up with is we like said your sex drive is too low. Which... I had a double whammy because not only was I had a sexual, sexually negative outlook on myself, but I also have this responsive thing and you have the spontaneous thing going on. So I guess, I Uh, guess that's a little complicated because there was unhealth, maybe with both of us here, you're using my fancy matches right here. Um, So there was unhealth. So I guess there's that. I mean, I think both of us had unhealth that we've really busted our asses through therapy and book reading and conversations and 12 step groups, uh, Mm -hmm. forever to, and that has been a saving grace for sure. But also having this tool of just saying the problem is the problem, not the person is the problem is I think it makes towards, it's a shameless solution. Yeah. Because if I say you're the problem, we might still get help, but it's going to come at your cost of you feeling shitty and crappy and broken. When yeah, really, maybe I'm you're the just, one to blame. Maybe you're just different. Yeah. And it's still a problem. Like, it's still a obstacle, maybe, that I think is worth a married couple looking at and saying, how do we face this together? But it's so different. And not different. just a married couple, by the way. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyone. <laughs> Single couple. Because someone left a comment on the last podcast too saying that we are focusing too much or we our conversation is geared towards couples and and it was it really kinda hit me because I was like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I guess I only ever thought about couples listening to us. I didn't think 
singles would find us interesting at all. So I think it's great. So if you're a single out there Sorry listening to us, shout we... out to you. <laughs> Here's the single people out there. <laughs> oh, wrong. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that was not on purpose. <laughs> um, dang it. I just ostracized our singles further. Come back. <laughs> um, Please. So to just agree that, I mean, it's just like the Appalachian Trail in a way. Like you and I looked at that together and we're like, that thing is a son of a bitch. Let's take mm-hmm. it on together versus i'm like you're out to get me then i'm like trying to solve it and i'm afraid of you simultaneously and that does not work out very well no and by the way this book is more geared towards women but i i feel like men could definitely benefit like i kind of want you to read it but i do not see that happening or maybe not read it at the end of each chapter she has a summary so you could just read the summaries or you do don't that. or you don't have to but i don't and it's not just geared to couples and definitely not just geared to married people so if you are single or you're not married but you're in a relationship totally applies to every everyone okay i like that i think i think we did a good job there i'm happy with that yay us but now it is time to go to the phones okay this first one i'm just warning you we have a triple whammy here okay so just be patient please hey ben and cammy i hope you've got the dun 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 sound effects sorted out because the crickets are taking a break because you're getting a call um you probably got heaps of calls by now obviously but maybe i'll be the first 26-year-old Australian who's bisexual that's calling. Oh, cool. Um, Welcome. I just wanted... I found out that I've only got a minute to talk, so the first time I talked for way too long. Um, so I'm just going to jump to the chase. I wanted to talk about uh, the, the toxicity that can come in communities when there is this idea of what that community is and within a strict guideline. Um, I've watched a lot of videos on YouTube about like the vegan communities where she does... This girl would do one thing, it's like what others deem unvegan um and then she's out of the community she's gone or i'm a big part of the gaming community and uh in the gaming community oh my god there's only eight seconds left this is why we're not calling we need to figure a way to do this because i want to talk forever <laughs> i love her accent by the way hey ben and cammy it's that us. 26-year-old bisexual Australian again. My name's actually Jamie, by the way. That's probably a much quicker way to say it. Um, Yeah, I was just talking about how in gaming communities there is also this idea that, you know, you, if you're not playing on a PC with your giant chair and hardcore games, then you're not a real gamer. Like, if you're not on your phone, you're not a real gamer. If you're someone who also enjoys being outside, you're not a real gamer. And I've tried to break this stereotype a bit but it's like you know if you're not (laughs) it's very hard talking on the phone it's something it's very anxiety inducing I tell you but I'm glad we're actually having this conversation because and I want to have this conversation and once again 10 seconds left this is just never going to work for me but I want to say um you guys are great uh this is the third and final installment Hello, it's Jamie again. <laughs> uh, clearly, I panic in the last 15 seconds, no matter what happens. Um, I just want to say, 
that there's a podcast called Beautiful Anonymous, which I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, but I think you'd get a really good kick out of it. It's where you can listen to someone, um, a stranger calls them up and they can just talk for an hour. I wish I had an hour to talk to you uh, because you guys honestly give a lot of great insight and your honesty is really brought something special to your channel. I came for the hiking, but I stayed for your wonderful family and your honesty. Um, and I think if we all be more of our genuine selves, it inspires others every day to be more of them, gen their genuine selves. And I think that is honestly the best thing anyone can do in this world is be their honest, genuine self. Amen. So yeah, hope you guys have a great day. Bye. <laughs> I love that that she kept calling just because I think I would get anxious if I were calling. And we have a way to solve that now. Too. Actually, not for Australian. Uh, what did she say she is? Bisexual females? Mostly because of the Australian. Because I, I sent her a phone number, but that's long distance. Oh. Numbers, so that doesn't even work. But um, so, hmm. okay, well, let's t talk about this um, gaming community and strict guidelines for various communities i think we are very familiar with that it's fascinating i feel like we need to tell the story about uh this girl that we met at the nudist resort oh the wiccan yeah oh, that was because fun. that's that was fascinating for me go for it so we met this lady um at the nudist resort and we just she wasn't wearing any clothes she wasn't wearing <laughs> Shocker, I know. Um, we just started talking to her a little bit about our story, uh, how we were kind of kicked out from our community. I don't even think we did. Did we not even no. talk about that? No, no, that no. makes we it did. even more fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So she starts talking to us. That, so she's a, a Wiccan. Um, and she was describing how she was a part of this community, but then she was a part of kind of two communities, and those communities were feuding with each other. They were defined by their retail spaces that were across the street from each other. So it's two yeah. Wiccan shops. Yeah. That so are, like competing. Yeah. And so she was friends with both of them, which apparently was a, a big no no or threatening or something. So they basically told her, You need to leave because you have too much fire which I guess in that religion it's like elements or something is is part of it. So AKA buyer shit from us only right and i was like i was so struck by that it doesn't matter what community you're in you're always going to come face to face with that kind of thing that you let and this is what jamie's talking about you have to look and act and talk a certain way and if you don't it's only a certain amount of time till you get the boot <laughs> she said here i am at the most pagan supposedly accepting religion or belief system on the planet and they're booting me for having too much fire first whatever you know <laughs> but that was made up yeah it was a mate yeah to me that was a made up whatever and yes we can relate to that and i guess you know <clears throat> i i think groups are somewhat necessary but i think i'm at a place where i'm seeing more and more how the the definition of them is based upon exclusion Mm -hmm. it's it's based upon enforcing who is um not on the in well, to prop yourself up to feel better to get all sciencey 
I, I which I'm totally not. So, but we actually, as humans, we're tribal people. So it actually makes sense that we want to belong to a group. But what I hope to, I strive to become is I can transcend that, which means I still want to be included in a group, but I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to exclude people from a group, which I guess kind of means you're not really a part of a group then. I think by some definitions of groups, you're not because, you know, I read this, this book called Primal Branding, like, um, years ago, that was like a marketing book. And it said there are seven elements that are necessary for successful brands. You, you need to like define yourself as your tribe. So let's say you're, you're Coke drinkers. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things is you need to know who your enemy is. And the enemy of course is like Pepsi, you know, so we're like, Coke people are anti-Pepsi and gamers are anti-whatever the hell they are. And, you know, back when I was a rollerblader, rollerbladers were anti-skateboarders and skateboarders were anti-rollerbladers. And that's how you almost define being a rollerblader, which is kind of sad because it seems like just rollerblading should be enough. Yeah. Like, I love this. And can I rollerblade and skateboard? But like, no, it was like you had to hate skateboarders almost. And I think, you know, it's interesting hearing the progression of your messages because you say in your first message that you kind of try and challenge the stereotype. Mm -hmm. But then towards the end, you say, like, you think that the reason why you like us and what you're trying to do is just be who you are. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's enough that, you know, I I think in my I don't want to say my younger years because I think there's still elements of this where I'm still trying to stick it to the man whoever that is like um and prove to these certain groups like some sort of you know thing but i think like what we are attempt to do with this podcast and vlog is just be who we are and say what we believe instead of trying to say what we don't believe always and say who we're not because mm-hmm. there's a lot of groups that we don't identify with and we could separate ourselves from those people but instead by just saying the good things in the world and the good things of our life and saying what we are we hope to be able to attract people from other groups. Mm-hmm. But like, ironically, man, so, <clears throat> I mean, you know the most bigoted group we've been a part of in the last 10 years? I don't think it was even the, the religious Christian group, which that was crazy. I mean, that that's going to be told in the next couple of years here, like somehow. Stay tuned. Um, but it's the hikers. Mm. Holy fuck. Like on... on I'm not going to even say the website, but there's these websites dedicated to these hiking communities and these assholes, they're more like they're more bigoted and religious than any church I've ever been in in defining who a good hiker is and what a good hiker is and who deserves to be on the AT and who deserves to be making a vlog and being around these people maybe not want to hike. It was like so sad, actually. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just had to like not be a part of that. And and for us. I don't, we hike and we run and we podcast. I, yeah. And but I don't want to say like, oh, I'm a hiker and I only hang out. Well, hikers. that's the thing. The most, the more you identify yourself with a thing, like I am this or I am that, or the, I think the less inclusive you can actually be to people and to yourself. But if you can like, you can have identities, but if you like hold on to them more loosely and just say like, this is something I enjoy to do uh, doing and I'm passionate about, but it's not who I am. I think you can actually invite people more into that. Hey, Ben. Hey, Cammy. This is Kyle from St. Petersburg, Florida. 
Um, I just want to start off by saying I really like you guys. Um, I listen to the podcast, and I started off by listen, by watching your vlogs when you were um, hiking the Appalachian Trail, and that's what really, really got me inspired and excited uh, to, to start following you guys. And um, it's inspired me to want to hike parts of the Appalachian Trail and you know just get out there and adventure because, you know, you only live once. It's true, and I know it's kind of a cliche, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, just want to say I really support you guys. I loved hearing about the the, the nudist resort. It's I love listening to you guys come out of your shell and grow as people. And I just wanted to say I support you guys and everything you do. Thanks. Peace. Hang on, part two. Hey, Ben. Hey, Cammie. It's Kyle again. Um, just calling to say, for starters, thank you guys for putting out the podcast and the vlog. I've been watching you guys since you started the Appalachian Trail, and I absolutely love you guys, and especially the kids. <laughs> and just want to say thanks for um, all that you guys talk about. And it's a lot of it is stuff that I've thought before but never really been able to talk about. I also have the Christian background, and that culture is very strict. And you guys make me feel better about the journey I've been on, which is my own uh, spiritual journey, and you make me feel better about that. And just wanted to say thanks and love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing, and keep being free. Peace and love. It's cool. Thanks, thanks Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like yeah. you know the thing that is so cool to me about where we've come from and where I want to be is I want to be about freedom. And I think if you're about freedom, you can attract people from anywhere because freedom yeah. is a human desire and trait. Yeah. And <clears throat> it used to not be that way for us. I think we were more defining ourselves by a belief set. And every time I hung out with someone, I wanted to know, oh, what do you believe? Do we believe the same thing? Because if you don't, we can't hang out. Right. And... Now I'm just far more attracted to people based on what they're doing instead of what they're believing. And, I mean, I just think about it this way. If I was going to play tennis with you, what, would I be like, okay, tennis is the most important thing to me. Is tennis the most important thing to you? Because if it's not, I can't play tennis with you. No. Mm -hmm. You're like, I want to play tennis. It's Thursday night. Are you free from 7 to 9? And can we have fun? And if you're like, yeah, Thursdays work great, and we can have fun. We play tennis. I don't care what you believe about tennis. And right now, what we're doing is we're raising kids. We're walking, we're writing a book, we smoke cigars. And I'm looking for people that are traveling that same journey that can learn from us and that we can learn from and that we can travel next to and with and be with and ask questions with and wonder things and inspire each other. And that's enough for me right now. Like mm -hmm. people are gonna self-select themselves out. I don't need to throw more boundaries in the way to say like, oh wait, oh, you don't believe that? Oh, you're a bisexual from Australia? That's so many time zones away. I don't hang with Australian gamers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't, I just don't need to, it's it's difficult enough to connect with people mm -hmm. that I don't want artificial, optional things that I'm creating to further separate me from other people. Amen. A woman. <laughs> so, Kyle, I'm really glad that our journey is helping you. Um, we have been helped by other people pave the way of more freedom for us and we're hope we can do that with people 
from all different types. And you guys are helping us by leaving comments and questions and giving us feedback. And there's a couple ways you can do that in the future. One is um, on YouTube. You can leave a comment on the video. Mm -hmm. You can record a voice message on the Anchor app or our new and improved way, you can leave a voice message on a phone number uh, and that phone number is 206-651-5744. And we'll put that phone number in the show notes and a link to this book in the show notes. And we don't make any money from any of those links or any of that stuff. The only way we make money in regards to this is if people optionally want to support us on PayPal or Venmo, you can do that. And we really appreciate that, but we don't expect that at all. This is something that we are just doing because we are able to and we really enjoy it so we i'm really thankful for the opportunity to just be here and look at your face Mm. and smoke a cigar with you and hear from people and talk about cool things yep so anything else we need to say i do not think so that phone number once again because these messages really make the dialogue i think it much makes a much higher quality product in terms of the podcast is 206-651-5744 so we look forward to hearing from you guys thank you thank you for listening to fight for together we'll see you next time